I'm going to use the money from my nine to five, and I'm going to use that to be able to fund my own freedom. And I just kept that same exact mindset. Now, when I first started, I thought I was going to fund my freedom through rental properties, right? Uh-huh. After I bought my first rental property, I realized that's too slow for me. Uh-huh. I'm like, if I, if I want to get this done, if I want to get this done in six years, which side note, the six-year time frame was completely random, but it was from when I was fully vested in my 401k. That's okay. when I decided, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to leave any money on the table. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to. Welcome to House Rich Real Estate Show. We talk to average people that have done above average things in real estate. Today we have George, the wealthy G. He teaches people how to make money um, in the car business, the real estate, and business credit. Going to talk about his journey to retiring at 28. Um, business credit, talk about everything, house hacking, and a little secret uh, secret job he has coming down the pipeline. This should be a pretty, pretty uh, uh, dope episode. Could you uh, introduce yourself to the good folks? And uh, thanks for joining me. Yeah, yeah. What's what's good, bro? So yeah, uh, again, my name's George, aka the Wealthy G. Exactly like you said. Um, first, I'm I'm celebrating. Uh, just the other week, retired from corporate America at the age of 28, um, just by creating multiple streams of income um, through the car rental, the car rental business, through house hacking, through digital business, through content creation. Really, just trying to create multiple streams of income. Uh, which helped me to be able to retire from the gig, which ultimately, man, that was a goal of mine. I wanted to do it in six years, but I got it done in five. So uh-huh. super, super hyped to be here, bro. Yeah, yeah so th- th- so I'm real interested in how, um, well, I didn't know you had a, had a six-year plan that went down to five, but how did you even come up with the idea to say, hey, I want to retire in, in six years in the first place? Because I, honestly, like I see you online, I had no idea you were 28. <laughs> I, I, was, yeah. I thought you were like in your mid-30s or something. Like, um, he's like, he retired at 20. I was like, wow. So how did you even come up with this plan to, hey, I'm going to retire um, in six years? Yeah, absolutely. So what I did, I don't think it was like too impressive. I just, I just did what I said I was going to do, right? Okay. So essentially, um, when I graduated, when I graduated from college, I said, I'm going to go into this corporate world. But however, I'm going to use the money from my nine to five. And I'm going to use that to be able to fund my own freedom. And I just kept that same exact mindset. Now, when I first started, I thought I was going to fund my freedom through rental properties, Uh right? After I bought my first rental property, I realized that's too slow for me. Uh I'm like, if I if I want to get this done, if I want to get this done in six years, which side note, the six year time frame was completely random, but it was from when I was fully vested in my 401k. That's when I decided, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to leave any money on the table. So we're going to put at that six-year mark when I know I'm getting all that money that the company matched me in my 401k, right? Now, essentially what I did was just that though. I stayed at the 401k, which I think everyone at the 401k at the at the job right yeah, yeah. which i think everyone should actually should actually do like my my thought process to get to being able to retire early is very simple right you stay at the 9 to 5 you work your 9 to 5 but as as you get you know those pay increases and things like that you don't inflate your living expenses yeah. right so many of us suffer from just inflating our living expenses as we start making more money but instead of inflating my living expenses essentially what we do is just keep living the same and invest in things that bring you cash flow right yeah. invest in a multifamily property then in, invest in rental cars right once i discovered the car rental business that game over because now that money that I have from the job 
I can take that and I can make that make me $700, $1,000 every single month. And it just begins to snowball after that. So that's how I was able to kind of, you know, get there in that uh, roundabout way. And that was kind of the plan going into it. Oh, okay. Thank you. And the, the first property you, you, um, you purchased, was that, was that a house act there or what was the first property you purchased? So the first property I purchased, man, I did everything wrong and I uh -huh. still somehow came out. Uh, the first property I did was a burr though, right? Um, okay. the, the, I used the burr method, buy, rent, uh, buy, rehab, rent, refinance and repeat. Now okay. I did this. I didn't have any money when I did this. I literally used my personal credit cards to to do this, right? I used my personal credit cards, maxed them all out, pulled the cash, um, pulled the cash out of my personal credit cards. I bought a house for thirty five thousand dollars cash. Uh, we had to put about uh, twenty thousand dollars into the property just to get it rental ready. Uh, you know, lip lipstick, paint, new floors, things like that. Got it rental ready, and then of course did the refinance into a commercial uh, mortgage okay. um, and was was luckily able to get a blessed cash infusion because here's the thing about doing the burr method on personal credit cards that a lot of people just look right over. I know I looked right over in the beginning, right? Is as I, I said, I have all this credit available, but as you pull all of that credit off of your cards, you, the next two months, you're going to see a crazy decline in your credit score. So uh -huh. I was getting, I, I, I got the house, right? I got the house. I was getting it fixed up. But then when it went to go refinance, my credit score plummeted. And I was yeah. in the position of, I couldn't even qualify for a mortgage, right? So I had to literally take a short-term loan to be able to literally just pay off my credit cards, get the score boost. And then on the refinance, you know, use that to pay back the short-term loan. So it worked out, but man, when I look back on it, if I would have known about business credit before I did that, uh -huh. I could have saved myself so much, so much headache on that, on, on that roller coaster. But I still have that property today, right? I still have that property today. I bought it for $35,000. This was probably back in uh, 2018, 2018, 2019, I want to say, uh -huh. one of those years. Um, bought it for $35,000 cash. It's worth, it's worth about one hundred and fifty. dollars now okay. and it still to this day rents out for about 14.95 a month so it's still been bringing in cash flow this entire time but i was it was a it was a good deal that worked out but man i made so many mistakes in it uh so what what, what even gave you the idea so you're what what like 23 24 what gave you the idea to to, to do that in the first place i mean most you know early 20 year olds aren't thinking about you know they're trying to rent a place they're not even trying to think about you know rehabbing a whole whole property yeah. Yeah. So that comes into my, my background, right? So my family, I come from a real estate family. So okay. um, my parents, they own a bunch of rental properties. I was raised, I was raised doing the rental property thing. I was raised to be in a uh, mom and pop landlord, right? I used to be in there changing, changing light, changing light bulbs, changing ceiling fans, changing outlets with my parents. That was how I was raised. So the real estate play was always in my mind. Okay. And the reason why I, I ended up doing a burn, that was the first thing is because I, I, I got a little stable. As soon as I got a little stable, I'm like, all right, I'm taking some risk, right? I got a little stable. I had a apartment that we were renting over on Germantown Ave in Philly. I had a, a nice, cushy nine to five uh, gig. And I had, I didn't have any money though. I didn't have any money. I was, I was stable, but I, there was no money. I was uh -huh. literally living paycheck to paycheck. But what I did have is these dang credit cards, right? I had over $80,000 available in credit cards because I was always building up my personal credit report, always getting the, the uh, 
limits raised and things like that. So I had a lot of credit available. So I, you know, listening to things like bigger pockets back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And I was hearing about people doing the Burr method. And once I once I discovered that, I'm like, huh, that's a way I can leverage my credit without having any money, just leverage having access to this credit, but still on the back end, get everything back that I had because at the end of the day, I didn't have any money. So that was my way to get into the game without having any actual uh, cash to my name at the time. Gotcha, gotcha. So how does one actually pull money off of credit cards? I hear people talking about that. Like, how do you actually, because you can't like swipe your car, or I don't know, can you swipe your car when you buy a house? Like, how do you actually get money off of your car? <laughs> So this is another reason why I say I did everything wrong. So I literally put the my credit card into the ATM and did cash advances for all the money and paid huge. I paid huge fees. I paid huge APRs on the money. Right now, there there are there are other mis, there are other ways to do it. But back then, again, I didn't know nothing. Yeah. Right, I didn't know anything. I just went to the ATM. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's a how much penalty? All right, whatever. It's going to be worth it in the end. And I just yeah, I just yeah. did it right. But I mean, now, if I was to go and, you know, pull cash off, off of a credit card, like I still do with, with business credit, um, the, best, the best way to do it, like the holy grail that I like is those convenience checks that get sent to you when you don't use the card. That's why I don't, I don't have a lot of activity on my business credit cards is because when, you're, when you have um, a credit card, and there's not a lot of activity on it. The bank will send you a convenience check, say, hey, we're offering you 0% interest for 12 months, 24 months, Uh, you pay a 3% uh, balance transfer fee and you can, you can take, you can write yourself a check or you can write your other credit card a a check. That's the holy grail of, of ways to do it because it's super easy. Now you can also do things like manufactured spending, which is where you got to go. You got to go to certain, certain retailers like Sam's club is, is one that was a hit for a long time, right? Where you can go to Sam's club, buy a piece of jewelry, Right, buy a piece of jewelry, pay like a couple dollars on a debit card and a couple dollars on your credit card, mm-hmm. uh, or most of it on your on your credit card. And then when you go to return, uh, you wait a day, you re- return the jewelry. But then because you use both the cards, they give you the ability to return it all onto your debit card. So you can do that repeatedly wow. and at multiple different retailers. That's called manufactured spending. Um, you can do that at multiple different retailers as well to liquidate the um money off of the credit cards made there's so many people get creative you will be yeah. surprised people get so creative when it comes to getting access to that money off of the card so you, you said sam clubs used to be the move that, that they locked down on that or what, is that still available yo i used to do i i say it, it used to be the move because it literally used to be my move i oh, okay. used to do i <laughs> i used to, i i haven't i haven't had to i haven't had to actually do it and probably like eight, eight, nine months, eight, nine months now is probably the last time that I did it. So it, it very much well could still be the move. It just used to be my move when I, when I was manufacturer spending and getting cash all off of my cards too. Gotcha. Um, when I had to buy this flip, this flip, right. Uh, property that I'm flipping right now, I had to, uh, when I was getting some of the cash off, I had most of it available in lines of credit. I need like an additional 5k, uh, off of credit cards. So I use, I use that exact play to get the, get the money off those credit cards. At zero okay. percent interest. Okay, got gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you got the um the, the burr, uh, which you still still got. And then so um at what point did you decide to purchase your, your primary residence? Yeah, so that was the next the, the next property for me. So my first thing, I just wanted to get some cash flow. I was still renting. Um, and then probably about a year, a year and a half after that was when I bought my uh first primary residence. Now my 
I've known this for a very long time and I, I live and die by this, right? The first primary residence that we purchase has to be a multifamily, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't care if you don't want to be a landlord. I don't care if you don't want to be a real estate investor. I don't care if you have no interest in real estate. If you want to be wealthy, if you want to generate some type of wealth, you have to, have to, have to, right? You have to use that first purchase and get yourself a two to four unit property. It's no if, ands, or buts about it, right? Because that's exactly that's exactly what I what I did, right? I went out, I bought a duplex. The duplex we bought, it wasn't a, a home run like at all, at all, right? It wasn't a home run, but the power that happens in that purchase is like tenfold, right? Because when we go into um instead of purchasing, you know, a nice single family house, we purchased a duplex. I was going from paying fifteen hundred dollars every single month right? Every single month in my apartment in rent. And I ended up paying probably about when it was all said and done, probably about nine, nine to $10,000 down because I used something called seller's assist on, on, on my purchase, right? To be able to get some of my closing costs covered. I put about $9,000 down and I was able to then eliminate my housing expense, my housing expense. Exactly. I was paying about 250 to $300 Uh, Because like I said, it wasn't a home run. I wasn't living completely free, but look, going from paying 300, going from paying $1,500 to $300, that's still a win, right? And that's, that's what I try to tell people. Everybody's so obsessed with living for free. If you can, in that purchase, lower your housing expense dramatically, it is still a win because now you have that, that, that opportunity cost right there, right? That opportunity cost of what you would have been spending in rent. Now I have an additional $1,200 every single month that I was already spending. Now that money is available for me to go out, invest it into something else, invest it into another income stream, invest it into what, or save it, right? Or save it. And that's my down payment from for the next property. And that's how, you know, I was able to kind of snowball into my next primary residence. I bought a duplex. I bought a duplex, lived in it for about a year and a half, Mm -hmm. and then literally stacked up all that cash. And that bought the next property. And then the crazy thing is, and this is why I say there's so many different benefits to this is because after I moved out of that duplex, right? First and foremost, it lowered my housing expense. But after I moved out of it, I put someone else in the unit that I was living in. And now that same house makes me over a thousand dollars every single month. And that's for life now. Uh-huh. That's for life now. But it's all because took that one, that one to two years of living in that multifamily property for the first purchase. And that is a game changer when it comes exactly. to like putting our, our financial blueprint together, man. Yeah, I always say, like, if you want to be sharing a, a wall with somebody, you might as well, might as well own the building. You know, if you're in an apartment building, just why not just get the, yeah, the duplex or the three-plex. Yeah, and so for some reason, people, it's not, it's not cold, uh, you know, to do that. But it's like, you're, you're in an apartment anyway, so why not, why not try why to not? purchase the, the, the unit? Um, and then, so, at what point did you kind of um, get more into, like, the business credit and start learning about the business credit side of things? Yep. So that was right around the time that we uh, purchased the duplex was I actually I actually invested in myself. Right. I spent I spent over five thousand dollars in, in, in mentorship to learn about business credit because I knew it's, it's what I was missing. Right? right. Like I said, I discovered early that, hey, if I'm going to be buying real estate, buying rental properties and all I got is this damn gig. Right. I'm, I'm not, and I'm trying to retire early. 
I can't just keep saving up and buying a house once every once every year. You know what I'm saying? I can't just live on noodles and buy a house once every year off of my salary. So I had to figure out a way to use leverage to like increase you know, the amount of moves and the amount of plays that I could do. So that was why I invested in myself. I invested in getting mentorship, right? Going out to conferences and actually learning the ins and outs of how to raise capital um, using, using business credit. So around that same time, I started um, my own, my own corporation specifically for this need started, started aging, aging that corporation, right? Got everything in, in place, right? Got the 1-800 number, got the virtual address, right? Like I got everything that I needed to structure my business correctly. So that way I can go to the bank and now they can give me 25,000, 25,000, $50,000 on a business credit card or a business line of credit. And then now you're able to leverage that a lot more than just this, just one guy who has a couple credit cards uh -huh. and a little bit of cash at this point. So the business credit for me was just a way to increase my uh level of effectiveness with the moves that i knew i, I had the knowledge to do uh -huh. but i just didn't have the capital to actually make it happen okay so you touched on it a little bit so obviously an important aspect of business credit is your initial personal credit but you're saying that there's other things you need to like you need to have like age of accounts in your llc what are some other things that are that are important as far as like your business profile yeah so first and foremost the business name right everybody wants to put what they do in the name and stuff like that business name needs to be needs to be low risk because that's going to be that's going to be um directly dependent on something called your 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 NICS code and that's what the bank classifies your your business as what industry your business is, is in okay. so you want to make sure that like for example people that do credit repair they might put credit repair in the name but that's a high risk industry so you got to keep that out of the name right keep it super general my stuff is i, I follow like the trump rule right my stuff's called the waters organization the waters right. group. like very 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 simple you know what i'm saying <laughs> um the other thing is the 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 address when banks are look when you're when you are focused on getting a bag from the bank you have to think from the bank's perspective right uh -huh. one you're not a high-risk name. You're not a high-risk name. Two, what is the address? When I go and I Google your business or I look up your business on the, the card that you gave me or whatever you put on your application, do I see a house? Does a house come up on that search or does a corporate building come up? That's the importance of having a virtual, a virtual address to cover that aspect because believe it or not, these banks are old school. So when they look you up, they're going to just go on Google, type in the address that you give them, and that's how they're going to see where does this where does this person do business? The other thing is you got to have your, your your EIN. You have to have a DNB number, Dun and Bradstreet number. It's free, right? You can literally get this for free, and that's going to now allow you to uh, build credit under under that number. But that's really the the foundation that you need to have for your business to be to be what I call fundable, right? Okay. You want to be fundable before you're doing any type of business before you're doing anything like that, you have to be able to get your business fundable. Now, the other last thing with that is going to come down to the, uh, the, the domain, right? Owning, owning your, your domain. So you can actually give them a business website hooked up to that domain. You want to have an actual email address. You don't want to be using your name at gmail.com. You want to not be using info, you know, at, whatever your domain is.com, a professional, professional email. And then also a 1-800 number, 1-800 number. Again, these banks are old school. So a 1-800 number is just something that again, as underwriters are, look, as, as, as you know, underwriters are checking off boxes, right? 
they're yeah. checking off boxes. So when they're looking at the application, you want to have all this data, all this sexy data for your business so that the underwriter looks at it. Oh, yep. Checks off the, all the boxes. Move right, move right on through. Gotcha. Got Keep over with the, the, uh, the Duns and Bradstreet. I, I hear about that. I don't know exactly what it, what it is. Just like another part of your, part of your credit. Yep. So essentially Dun and Bradstreet is actually a uh, business credit bureau, but they are like the granddaddy of, um, scores. So put it like, you know, same way we have Equifax, same way we have, yeah. you know, Experian and things like that. Dun and Bradstreet is a is a um, business credit bureau, and they generate what's called a Paydex score. So as you're building up um, what's called like actual occurrences or trades on your business credit profile, they're going to report to Dun and Bradstreet. That's where it actually shows up. So you cannot do this unless you have a Dun and Bradstreet number, right? Okay. Because they're going to ask you for what's called your Dunn's number on these applications and things like that. So that's essentially another like social security number for your business, specifically for where your credit is reported to. Um, and they go, they go from like one to a hundred, but you want to get to an 80 uh, paydex score. That's like a good, a good paydex score for Dun and Brad. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, and is there is there other ways to, to build your business credit? Like I see posts that folks who like yo know, get a I don't know a gas card or an Apple account. Like I don't know is there is there for so let's say somebody um I don't know maybe they don't have good enough credit personal credit but is there a way to build your your business credit without having and having bad personal credit? I don't know if those two are if there's a way to, a way around that. You know what I'm trying. To... So there is and there isn't, and this is okay. this I, I I love this topic right so. It depends on what type of funding you're talking about, right? Because you can go through and you can actually build up your business credit to be able to get credit specifically from vendors. Okay. It's, it's what's called vendor credit, right? So you can go through, first and foremost, you're going to get something called net 30 accounts, right? These are, these are accounts that um, they're small businesses and they might give you net 30 terms where you have to pay them. You have to pay the money back for whatever you purchased in 30 days. Right. That's how you start out with that. You start out with the net 30 accounts. It's like uh, Quill, Granger, Uline are like some of the, the main ones that, that do this. But they'll give you those net 30 terms. And once you do that, those will now report to your credit. And you want to get you want to get like at least like five of these. And then you can go to certain vendors and get credit. Now, this is very good for people who have um businesses where they might sell goods and things like that, they might, they might be able to leverage having $50,000 at, at Amazon, 25K at Amazon to be able to fund their business, right? That's really what, um, as well as like for people who do Toro, for people who do trucking, you can now go and get a gas card that's completely in your business name. That's going to give you what's called vendor or retail credit. That's what people are referring to, to that. Uh, Dell, Dell does this. Walmart does this, Best Buy, Home Depot, like if you're in real estate, um, it Lowe's, Lowe's does the same thing. So you can actually get credit, but the specific thing is it's tied to a vendor, right? Okay. When you're when you're getting the, the credit um, without without tying it to your to yourself and you're building it up to your profile, it's going to be tied to a vendor. Now the type of credit that I love is usually always tied to your personal because of the fact that it's big money and it's okay. straight cash, right? That's going to the banks, going to the credit unions, things like that. That's when you're leveraging, having a decent credit score, getting a big bag of just cash to use, not mm -hmm. at a, a specific store or anything like that, just a big bat of cash, a, a cash credit card 
or a line of credit, which is just as good as cash. That's when you're you're going to be connecting it to your personal credit to your personal credit report. But the great thing is, you have to have a score, usually about a six eighty, to be able to qualify for these products. But okay. they still don't report to your personal credit report, so it's just as good. It's uh-huh. just as good. So, so at, at what point do you, is it, um, were you no longer a personal guarantor from using that word? Like what point do you, is it totally separate? I know when you first start off, obviously you have to have some sort of skin in the game personal wise. At what point do you get to like separate those two completely where it's, you probably at that point now, and I assume we are just, hey, give me some more, give me some more credit on my, under my business name. Yeah. So that's what you call, um, like that's like tier three, and that's what's called corporate credit, right? So corporate credit is like you're fully established, everything like that. You can now go in and you can use just your EIN to go and get, you know, visa, visa, lines of credit, things like that. Now, to for that, you need to have like at least 15 trade lines on your business credit report. How okay. are we talking about? whether it be the net 30s, whether it be other credit cards, vendor credit, you got to have at least 15. You have to have a 90 paydex to get that. And you need to have at least two years in business. And you have to be able to have 400,000 plus in revenue and be able to show that in revenue to be able to go out and get that just in the EIN. It is possible, right? It is is possible. The reason why I always tell people to go the deterrent way and then come back for corporate credit is because leveraging a decent credit score is going to skip you past years of having to develop that business to get to the point of having those 15 trade lines and things like that on the account. But yes, after, after you build it up, then you can go out and you're just leveraging just the EIN at that point. Oh, okay. Awesome. I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep in that, but like, so you, you have a course and everything. We kind of break that down a little bit, a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have the ultimate business credit course, which I literally go through a through Z, how I got my business funded over $150,000 in credit available and cash, right? In cash mm-hmm. credit, how to get the lines of credit, how to get the business credit cards and plays to be able to do that. I break that down A through Z in the um, the ultimate business business credit blueprint, it's called. Okay, thank you. I have a link for that in the uh, description on the YouTube or the, or the podcast or wherever, wherever you're at. And then so um, when did you transition into to Turo? Like what, what got you into that? That Man, this all happened at this. It was, a, it was such a great... It was, bro, I'm trying to tell you, it was such a great time when all of this was happening because right. at the same time that I learned, I was learning about business credit. I heard my now business partner, Brian, okay. uh, on a podcast talking about the Toro business or at the time he was doing hire car in Chicago, right? So I literally heard him talking about it on a podcast. I booked a consultation with him. I said, bro, this sounds like exactly what I need because again, the car rental business, I was somebody who I, I didn't have a lot of money. I did not have a lot of money. I had decent credit, but I needed something that was going to give me a lot more, more revenue quicker. Cause I'm trying to like, I'm like, yo, I'm trying to retire. I'm trying to buy these rental properties. Like I need more money coming in. So the car rental business to me was literally the perfect opportunity to have so much more revenue coming in, coming in with less investment, right? I'm bringing in more money a month than my rental property does on a $8,000 vehicle. Eight thousand uh-huh. at, at the time before prices went crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, on yeah. on an eight thousand dollar vehicle, it's literally an insane ROI on these vehicles when you turn them into cash flow. So this was literally at the same same time. This was now uh, this was 2019, 2020 was when I was really actually 
2020 was the pandemic. So this was 2019, right before the pandemic started, um, when that, that actually started picking up and I discovered this other stream of income. And once uh-huh. I discovered that I went all in, right? So I, I, I told you I was, I was, I was paying big money to learn business credit at the time. Uh-huh. And I was learning about the car rental business. I bought my first two cars. I bought them cash, right? I, I partnered up, I partnered up with, with my guys and we put our money together. We bought two economy vehicles cash. Then I discovered that I can literally take everything that I was learning about business credit and I can take that. And instead of getting business credit cards and business lines of credit, I can get an auto loan in my business name. When I discovered that, when those two things came together, (laughs) it was like, Uh, boom, uh, light light, light bulb went off. So I'm uh, like, okay, now I can get a lot of cars with no money down, finance in my business name so that they don't report on my personal credit so I can still circle back and buy more real estate. It was literally just the perfect, perfect storm that I was able to kind of, you know, bring two and two together mm-hmm. and be able to literally in the, in less than a year, in less than a year, I looked up, I had nine vehicles. Okay. I was at the deal. I was at the dealership. Like I was at the dealership at, 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 a, at a certain point in time. I was at the dealership at least like once a week, just uh-huh. grabbing, grabbing cars, grabbing cars, getting them all financed in my business name. And the upside on those economy cars is they're netting me 700 to a thousand dollars each. Okay. Each. So the upside to that was just ridiculous. Okay. He's, so yeah, so you're talking about the economy car. The first video I ever saw of yours was just in the, uh, the Tesla. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> Listen, that was a lot of people's first time ever, ever <laughs> seeing me. That was like one of the first videos I had that like established the the the, the brand, right? That was right. one of the ones that went, went super viral. Um, and that's why now, like I am so adamant about, yes, that piece of content is great, right? Uh-huh. The piece of content. I love the Tesla, but I tell people when you're first starting out in your car rental business, don't go for the Tesla. Don't go for the Benz. Uh-huh. Don't go for the Lambo. Don't go for any of that kind of stuff because although that might be, you know, what the goal is, first and foremost, you got to make the decision when you're starting in the car rental business is why are you starting, right? Uh-huh. For me, it was for cash flow, not for any type of image, anything like that. It was for cash flow, right? Those cars, those nice, the, the Tesla, they're going to do great things for your image and they can pay for them. They can pay for themselves, right? But I wasn't seeing a huge profit margin on those. It was gotcha. more so an, an image boost. Gotcha, Whereas gotcha. Those, those economy vehicles, look, them, them things are workhorses, man. Them uh-huh. things are going day in, day out, summer, winter time. So I always, I always say, I have either a three, one method or a two, two method. Like, and I really prefer people to start out with the three, one method, which is before you go into any type of luxury vehicle, at least have three economies under your belt. Because again, when we're, you know, kind of getting back to construction, if you're building something, you got to have a solid foundation, Uh right? And those economy cars, those are your solid foundation to building a successful uh, car rental business for sure. Okay. So cool. So what's, um, can kind of walk through the the numbers maybe on your first or maybe your first couple of cars so you you get a car cash or maybe somebody finances it um and then like what typically can you can you expect off of maybe i don't know um i don't know uh, a nissan whatever an economy car is like what you yeah. got to expect off of maybe one one car 
Yeah, so for sure. So we can kind of talk about, um, I have Nissan Versus, right? So when it comes to the Nissan Versus, which are a typical economy car, right? I have um, those vehicles financed in my business name. The payment on them is probably going to be about about 260, something like that, mm -hmm. right? It's probably going to be about 260. Now that same vehicle is going to net me, it's going to net me about $40 a day. That same vehicle is going to net me about $40 a day, right? So there are literal times, uh, what is four, 40 times 30, that's 120, right? So um, that it can, it can, it can make up to that. That's 1200, 1200, right? It can make up to up to that 1200. But again, you have to take out the uh, car car payment, right? Insurance is about $64. We use uh, commercial car sharing insurance. It's about okay. $64. It's dirt cheap, right? Does everything that you need it to do. That's going to cover the, that's going to cover the vehicle itself. Um, and then from there, the other expense that you might have is car is a car wash, things like that. Um, and then we always put aside a little bit, uh, five to 10% for like reserves as well. Mm -hmm. But after that, you're looking at literal profit of again around that seven eight hundred eight hundred dollar mark you know on a on a on a decent on a decent time where i have vehicles now i don't i don't see them for three four months at a time okay. you know what i'm saying so they are out there just making money grinding day in and day out so on a on a vehicle like that that i purchased for let's say 11 about 11k i got one of my verses for i got it for about eleven thousand. And it's making me $1,200 every single month. I don't know the exact calculations on that ROI, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. And then so, uh, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you had processes in place or maybe you, you did, but what are some like uh, mistakes you may have learned the hard way or some, some common mistakes folks may make when they're just kind of jumping into the game with no, with no game plan? Oh, man. So first and, first and foremost, not having a GPS and kill switch okay, because okay. that is like a mid people ask me like, should I get a GPS and kill switch? Should I, should I just, you know, kind of skip it? So I make some money, then I can pay for it. Get that thing on before you rent your vehicle out to anybody, because in this game, something that comes with it is you're working with considerable strangers, right? You're working yeah. with strangers. So you don't know. And there has been multiple occasions where, somebody's late on a rental, somebody's not answering the phone calls when the cars do back where I can just literally go into my software, right? And I can look at exactly where the car is. And if they're not answering me or if the car is overdue, I can kill it and the car can't move. Then at that point, I'm able to send a tow truck to the vehicle and go, go bring it back to me. And I'll assess the person, their damages through the platform. I'll get reimbursed for it. But okay. no, having a GPS and kill switch is like the biggest one. People always ask me, do I need that or not? And I'm like, uh -huh. like, it's non it's non-negotiable. It GPS and, and kill switch devices, they cost about 150, right? They cost about 150 and probably about another 150 to install. It is the best investment for this business that I can think of. Like literally the best investment because nothing, nothing pays like peace of mind. Yeah, right. Yeah, when you're yeah. out there, when you're out there, you're renting your vehicle, you don't know what's going on with it. Having the peace of mind to always know where it's at and to be able to kill it so it can't move anymore with the stop of a button man that saved me so many sleepless nights gotcha. right? like, i know guys that have literally had vehicles that like no no bs vehicles that the person never brought it back 
and they had to file a, a police report and uh-huh. the police had to drive around to try and like find the car over the span of a few days or a few a few weeks which literally this one device is going to save so much hassle on that forefront so that's like the that's the number one thing that don't don't leave home without it. For yeah, sure. the, the police ain't really looking for it. If they happen to see it, they'll say something. They ain't doing a search for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not you're, they're not looking for it. You're on your own. I think <laughs> I think how 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 that story ended for my buddy is he ended up finding it. Yeah, he yeah. he was the one riding around for it. And then he ended up finding it and calling the police to where it was it was at at the time. So yeah, just having them them systems in place is key. Super and, key. And that, not not that you would do this, but would they kill switch? Just, I'm just curious. Can you just kill the car? And it's like, can it be riding down the street? You just turn it off. I don't know no, how that works. So with the kill switch, they do have the safety measures that what happens is the next time when you kill the, when you kill the car, the next time it's turned off, it won't turn back on. So it's not necessarily somebody's driving and just kills it. It's the car gets, receives the, the command that the next time the key is turned off, it's now blocked from turning back on. So it's it's safely stopped and parked whenever okay. the car is killed. Okay, I'm just thinking, okay, maybe that's a sitcom I was thinking of, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so and maybe this was new to me, um, but like, I, I really, really started hearing about Turo, like maybe by the same time you did, or maybe probably a little bit behind, you know, 2001, it seemed to be everybody had a car, you know, everybody was like, Turo this, Turo that. Have, have you seen like, um, you know, with your community, has it been consistent? Consistent if things slowed down, or as it's kind of like the people that know what they're doing, they're they're steady. Or it just seemed like everybody was doing turbo at, at, at some point. Is there any kind of like dip in the um in the demand? That's what I'm looking to say. Yeah, so that's that's a great question, and that's another one that I get a lot. And I'll always I'll always say this, right? This kind of the same thing when it comes to real estate on a on a on a larger scale of you see people like over the past few years, it's been the sexy thing to become a landlord. Yeah. Right. But people jump into it without having their systems in place. And what happens? They come in, they get tossed around a little bit and then they exit. That's the same type of process that has happened with the car sharing industry is you, you see people who you can tell right off the bat, right off the bat, someone who has a system in place, a business in place versus someone who is kind of just winging it kind of just there to, you know, see if their if their car can make some money uh, and they get eliminated very quickly one of the main things that that does this is look when you don't have systems in place check marks in in place that you're checking your vehicle out cleanliness cleanliness tends to lack very much so in someone who's not doesn't have a particular system in place cleanliness and damage right vehicles are getting more wear and tear more scratches and the host are not getting them fixed because they didn't take the proper pictures on the front end so now when they go to file a claim the claim's not not getting covered, and they're like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to put it back out there, right? So the quality of their vehicle tends to diminish a lot quicker than someone who has a system in place for these things. Someone who, when a scratch happens to my car, even the Nissan Versa, I'm filing a claim, and I'm getting it fixed. So that mm-hmm. car stays in pristine shape, right? I have a system that when those cars comes back, they're going, they're getting, they're getting their service that they need to get done. So it, it, it smells good for the next person, right? I have my machine that if somebody smokes the, I'm going to be able to get the smoke smell out of, out of the car before the next person comes. So those type of things differentiate people in the marketplace. And especially on Toro, 
it's driven by ratings, okay. right? So what happens is that algorithm, as you start to differentiate in the ratings, people have bad experience with less experienced hosts, less systemized hosts. Those ratings automatically differentiate where there can be, there can be somebody now who that same car that I'm charging $40 for, they might be charging 25 Guess what? I'm still getting booked yeah. over them because they have a, a three, two and a half star rating from people who have had bad experiences because they don't have the proper systems in place. So they, people come in and people go so, so quickly in this industry where, yes, people do flood to it because they think they can make some money. But when they don't have their system in place, they're kind of picked out gotcha. pretty quickly, pretty gotcha, quickly. Gotcha. gotcha. So how do, how do I get my first... Uh... Booking. So I got my, I got my, unless that, oh, this is a real life scenario. So I have, I work from home. So I have a car that I don't even drive. Um, I just take a, I take up some good pictures of it, throw up on Turo. Is there any type of like um, something special I should be doing? Like yeah. I so I, I usually say take like 40 to 60 pictures, right? So 40, 40, 40 yes, 40 okay. to 60, 40 to 60 pictures. And we, we, you know, kind of go over like, think about this. Think about all of, the places where damage is most likely to occur, right? Like a passenger side rear where side swipes can happen, right? The front front passenger front passenger side where someone might bend a, a, a curb too much. You want to get pictures of all those high impact areas first and foremost. Same thing in on the interior, right? The the, the ceiling where people tend to spill stuff on the ceiling. You want to just be able to really think spill where stuff could. On the ceiling? Dude, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's where people go over like a bump and they got a drink in their hand, but it is a very common thing to get stains <laughs> on the ceilings. When you're dealing with a lot of people in mass, you see trends, you see trends pretty quickly. Yes, stealing, uh, stains on the ceilings is a very common thing. But once you know this and right, this is again, I learned this from experience, but now everyone who, everyone who, who we, who, who we coach, we literally are like, when I say 40 to 60 photos, it's daunting. We literally are like, listen, you need to take this, 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 and this. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. People do not get stains on ceilings, but they take it anyway, right? Yeah. Because they're coachable. They're coachable people. And then guess what happens? They get a damn stain on the ceiling yeah. and that stain is now covered. However, if they didn't have that picture of the stain, it is not going to be covered when they go to file that claim. Now you just cost yourself $40, $50 in detail that went that went directly from your revenue, right? The gotcha, goal, gotcha. The, the main thing with this, with this business is it's really, it's a car sharing business, but it's an insurance business as well. Mm -hmm. It's really about the protecting yourself on the front end and filing those claims on the back end. So you want to take 40 to 60 photos on the, on the front end. You want to make sure that you have protective measures in place. So like for me, I put in my economy cars, I'll put, I'll put seat covers in, I'll put uh, the all, the all weather mats in. Um, the other thing is get a, get a lockbox, right? Except for my Tesla, all of my other vehicles have a lockbox. They literally go right on the window of the car. And this allows you to um, do contactless check-ins and check-outs. Essentially, someone can get your car and drop your car off and you don't have to be there for it. That's major, yeah. right? That's how you really automate this thing is with that is with that device. So you want to get that that basis system right there. Now you're you you'll be good to go to actually start your first your first rental, right? But then going back to be able to even get your first rental, one of the main things that I think is super important 
is how your vehicle is presented. This is another thing that differentiate differentiates all-star hosts from people who are just in the ordinary in this in this game is getting professional pictures taken of your of your car, right? It sounds so so simple, but you would be so surprised how many people when they're just like I just want to make some some side some side money, they just take pictures on their phone and they post it, right? Versus the people who we know when we're dealing with consumers, those professional pictures are going to get their eyes. You're going to get the clicks more than the other person. So having the investment to get the professional pictures taken and make that listing stand out is very, very much so well worth it when it comes to driving traffic to your listing specifically in in the applications. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, And so... um... Okay, cool. And obviously, you guys can, can learn more about that with the with the uh, what's the uh, program called the. Yeah, so the 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 car rental blueprint. So we have the car rental car rental blueprint. That is the flagship course, as as well as the commercial auto finance and masterclass. Look, that is the blueprint that is put together by years of experience in this game. It's hard to we can't talk about it in in, in, an, in an hour, right? But it's yeah. we it's put together years of experience to be able to literally get in this game, to start in this game, to scale up quickly and then to automate everything to be able to generate, you know, four to five figures a month essentially in your sleep with the car rental business. That's the uh car car rental blueprint it's called. You got got you got you. Thank you. Um so I got got, got one final question. Um I always ask everybody the same question. So Let's say I gave you a million dollars. You have one week to spend it on real estate or real estate related stuff. What, what would you do with it? A million dollars, and I have yes. one week to and I have one week to spend it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that, I'm most likely going to utilize leverage, right? So I'm going to use that one million dollars, and let's probably split it in half. I now consider that a five hundred dollar, a five hundred thousand dollar down payment on an apartment building. Point blank, point blank period. I'm going to use that million dollars to get as much leverage as I can because I have decent credit, right? I have decent income to be able to use that now as a down payment on an apartment building uh, and keep the other 500,000 in reserves. I don't know if that, but it needs to be rehabbed, anything like that, or just to keep some money on the sidelines. But look, I'm splitting that thing in half. I'm putting 500 in, in reserves. The other 500, I'm putting it down on hopefully as many units as possible with a, a commercial apartment building. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, thank you. Um, and so um, just w- once again, where, where can the uh, the good folks find you at? Yeah, so on um, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the wealthy, the wealthy G uh, with the letter, the letter G. No underscores, nothing, just the wealthy letter G. Okay, awesome, awesome. Appreciate your time. And uh, there's no outro to this podcast, so it is over. Let's go. I appreciate it. Thank you.